0: This is Rachel McElroy.
1: Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. This is a podcast where we talk about things we like that is good and are good and remains good and we are into now and will forever be into. Whoa.
0: Well, I don't know. What you do. <laughs> I think it's important we plan
1: our flag in this specific point that if we ever talk about anything on this show, we love it forever in our future. I
0: can give you change. a 100% guarantee that we have talked about something that became quite problematic.
1: Maybe, yeah, probably. I, I
0: think the whole foundation of Rose Buddies was kind of <laughs> maybe <laughs> crumbling. House on shifting
1: <laughs> sands, there. Um, but for the okay, then for the most part is for a the show most part where we talk about things that is and am good and will remain forever good, forever and ever. Amen. Uh, this is uh, this is a, a good a good time, and to also be with you, with you, and. Also with you. Mm-hmm. um, w- Man. <laughs> Let's keep going. This is hot. This is hot fire. This isn't hot fire so far. <laughs> I, I It turned into a sort of um, liturgy for a minute.
0: Can I tell you what my small wonder is?
1: I would love to hear about your small wonder.
0: Okay. I thought about, I've actually thought about this before and thought like, oh, this is a good one and then this I said, This is
1: unprecedented.
0: Uh, <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Uh, it is, uh, when a plant is kind of wilty and then you add water and it just pops up.
1: It's crazy. I love that. It, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I've seen plants before in our house where I'm like, put that one in the ground. Yeah. Well, (laughs) for a plant actually.
0: (laughs) Put that one below the ground. Take
1: that one out of the ground. It's done. Take it out of the ground. But then you, you just dampen it a little bit and then it's good to go. I I have specifically
0: been investing in plants that do not require a lot of maintenance or care because my whole approach to plants is water them once a week when I feel like it's been a week. (laughs) So sometimes it's been more than a week and they start to look uh, pretty bad. And then I'll water them and pop right back up.
1: Um, I'm going to say there is a new... A content expansion for the most recent Pokemon games that Henry has been shuddering with excitement. Yeah, tell me about play. it.
0: This morning, you guys, you guys hit it. We
1: well, only played it for like like forty five minutes or so this morning before he had to go to school. Um, but boo, <laughs> boo, school sucks. Um, but it's fun to see him get this like fired up about a, a, a like a new video game thing. Uh, and get to share in that with him it's been it's been nice it's funny, like the most recent pokemon games I was so cool on when I played them for besties and then yeah. talk about them uh but and through a child's eyes through the magic of a child's eyes though i've been really i've enjoyed it a lot it's been like a game we've played together now and have shared, and it is uh my my experience with it has been much improved so um, You go first this week. I do. What do you have for, for me? I
0: want to give a thank you. Um, You know, friend of the show, Anna Roach. Oh,
1: I love friend of the show, Anna Roach.
0: Uh, that we invited on our special Third Love episode. Oh, yes. um, she also has a podcast, Stab in the Back, uh, that so she does great. with her friend Benton, and they talk about murderers and murders and... All the things that people But in a love. fun way. But in a fun way. Anyway, she sent me a poem. Oh. Uh, which is a perk of my role as poet enthusiast that yeah. people will occasionally send me poems. Um, and most of the time I'm like, oh, that's a good one. Uh, this one, I was like, I think I'm going to make a whole thing about it. Hell yeah. So we're going to the poetry corner. <laughs>
1: Just doing a little ragtime for you.
0: (laughs) It's beautiful, honey. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Gave me time to get out my laptop and open it. Yeah. And now it's open, and I can tell you that the poet in the corner is... Well, I don't know if I... That's weird.
1: (laughs) Get in the corner. Robert Frost, you're in trouble.
0: Now that you're in the corner, I can introduce you to the poet, uh, who is not necessarily in the corner, but we're going to talk about while in the corner. This poet
1: is on the naughty step, and it is... Pat Schneider. Pat, Pat Schneider? Pat Schneider. I thought you said patch. I
0: believe short for Patricia. Okay. Uh, And this is a poet I was not familiar with, although the poem feels very familiar. I'm sure listeners of the show that are big poetry enthusiasts will recognize. It feels to me like a poem that I have read on the show before. It is not, but it is similar in content. and, And I would love it if you all could get on the Facebook group and tell me What poem you think I'm thinking of? Because I opened up our Rolodex of Poets, and I was like, which one does this sound like? And then I was just overwhelmed by the sheer volume of poems that I have read on this show. Anyway, Pat Schneider, born in rural Missouri in 1934 near the Ozark Mountains. Beautiful. I had never heard of Ava, and so I looked at it. There's only like 2,000 people that live in that town.
1: Ava? So that's the name of the rural Missouri area? That Pat hails from? Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. And I was like, 2,000 people? That's crazy. Let me see what the population was when she was born. Maybe it's just gotten smaller. No, it was 1,000 people when she was All born. Right. So it's up. It's doubled Ava. in size. Keep it up. Uh, City on the Grove. <laughs> she, she's written nine books of poetry. Uh, and she's got kind of like a complicated past that really motivated her work as a poet. Uh, when she was four, her parents divorced, and her mother moved her and her younger brother to St. Louis, where she was looking for work. Uh, they lived in a tenement building, and later her mother put both children in an orphanage. I'm assuming for financial reasons, but I don't really know the story there. No. And then when, when they were released, her and her brother kind of diverged. He um became what she called a drifter, uh and she was lucky enough to get a scholarship to Central College in missouri she She did continue to travel out. her brother ended up in california and or the west coast rather uh and she continued to kind of stay in touch with him and he was very important to her and I think she really became aware of the challenges of uh what she called traditionally silenced populations. So she founded Amherst Writers and Artists, which was a nonprofit uh, that focused on low-income women and children uh, sponsoring writers' workshops and retreats. Because I think – and I read an interview with her where she talked about uh, the fact that just even putting content on a page is a barrier in itself. Yeah. You know, and and she realized through her own experience – because she did pursue an MFA – uh, she did become a professor. She taught at University of Massachusetts, University of Connecticut, Smith College, uh, and she lived in Amherst uh, until her death. Uh, but she um, became really committed to connecting people to a community of artists and and trying to remove those barriers. Uh, people were invited to, to share writing that was handwritten. Uh, people were invited to just share information and then they would support them in getting it on the page. It, it, it's pretty exceptional considering how kind of exclusive the MFA community has become that she was kind of making it available to everybody. Yeah. Uh, so the poem that uh, our friend Anna sent me is called The Patience of Ordinary Things. Uh, and Even it, the
1: title sounds familiar. I
0: know. I know. I think. Th- I mean, this is just the kind of poem I like to bring, right? Like it is accessible and joyous, and and helps us focus. I think on you know the the splendor of the everyday. Yeah, is what I will say. Uh, so this is from um, a book, Another River: New and Selected Poems. came out in 2005, or at least this version of the poem I'm reading. Again, it's called The Patience of Ordinary Things. It is a kind of love, is it not? How the cup holds the tea, how the chair stands sturdy and foursquare, how the floor receives the bottoms of shoes or toes, how soles of feet know where they're supposed to be. I've been thinking about the patience of ordinary things how clothes wait respectfully in closets and soap dries quietly in the dish and towels drink the wet from the skin of the back and the lovely repetition of stairs. And what is more generous than a window?
1: I almost want to hear it again. (laughs) It's a short one. Yeah.
0: It's a short one. It's kind of hard to read because there's so many questions in it. I
1: know. Um, I was thinking about one of them and then the poem was over.
0: (laughs) Was it uh, the towels drink the wet yes. from the skin of the back? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a real showstopper. It really is. <laughs> Particularly because she's using such plain language up until then. It really is. Uh, yeah. And then it's like, whoa, wait, I'm in a poem now. <laughs> um, when there was a review done of this book, uh, the reviewer, Don Junkins, said Pat Schneider's poems cut through to the real world. She not only knows how to write, seemingly without effort articulate and precise lies she leans in language and abundant in content
1: even that review was kind of poetic
0: (laughs) hers is a genuine voice expressed in informed craft which to be really effective includes the management of tone which itself depends entirely on the management of restraint
1: this i want a review of the review (laughs) of this poem
0: I think a lot of poets review other poets and so you ah, get little little poems in the review because everybody wants to be blurbed mm-hmm. I guess. Uh yeah, it's I, her her poems, I mean unsurprisingly giving her her focus are very kind of unassuming um but then every once in a while she'll she'll you know fla- flaunt it, yeah. you know.
1: <laughs> I guess is
0: the word I phrase I'm looking for where she's like, "Yeah, hey, by the way, I am a poet." Yeah. Um and I I like that one. I it, Again, reminds me of something I've read on the show. Can't identify what that is. You
1: figured out, yeah. But
0: it does, it, it, there is something about it that feels like an AI generated poem for Wonderful <laughs> because. Well,
1: that is productive, <laughs> I think, of both our show and the poem. That you I know, have just
0: read. I know. I just, I, I, I read it and I felt like this is so precisely like the spirit of the show for me. Mm. Um. So I was very grateful that Anna sent it to me and I thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to talk about it. So here I am.
1: Pat e- Schneider. Everyone did a great job in getting this poem into specifically my ears. Mm-hmm. You, Anna, Pat, <laughs> the reviewer, everyone just did a great job today. Um, can I steal you away, please?
0: Yes. Griffin? Yeah. You know it's a shame. What?
1: Throughout history, sirens have captured men's attention, enticed men with their feminine wiles, and fulfilled men's primal needs. The sirens allure persists. Uh, uh, They have not. Unless the primal need is I need to be smashed on the rocks. Yeah, smash me. Smash me, mommy. Smash me, mama. Smash me, mommy. The sirens allure persists. Why do we do this to ourselves? (laughs) Strand me, baby. Strand me, Strand me, baby. So yeah, this is my brother, my brother and me for maximum fun on Mondays. It's just like that, just like that, but more. It's just like that, a more of it. There's, there's just more of that.
0: The Legend of Zelda. Tears of the Kingdom,
1: Diablo 4, Final Fantasy 16, Street Fighter 6, Baldur's Gate 3, Starfield, Spider-Man 2, Master Detective Archives Raincoat for Nintendo Switch? No, is that just me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a huge time for video
1: games. You need somebody to tell you what's good, what's not so good, and what's amazing. I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. We're the hosts of Triple Click a video game podcast for anyone who likes games.
0: Find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye.
1: Um, I'll be honest with you. Okay. I struggled a lot to come up with a topic for this episode. Yeah. Partially because uh, I've, I've been feeling kind of sick this week. And yeah. It's just hard to get the energy up when you're just kind of bummed out I did start preparing a segment that was called the evolution of American Ninja Warrior (laughs) which would be different from when we talked about American Ninja Warrior on episode 100 I got like four bullet points into that prep work before I lost the courage of my convictions Um,
0: we have just so anyone who listens to this and also watches American Ninja Warrior which I assume there's like seven of you we have talked about doing some kind of bonus content associated with the show because we feel very passionately about it.
1: It was a great fucking season. There's a lot of people who didn't like this season. They didn't like the the race. Oh, the race! The races yeah, yeah. That they, that they did. Um, I thought I, that they added a real dynamic energy. But, yeah. Um, instead, I'm gonna talk about lunch, because <laughs> um, I think that lunch is by most people's estimations the least important meal of the day.
0: Yeah, no that's fair.
1: And but the older I get like the more I appreciate the space that it occupies in my in my every working day. Um cuz it's not flashy like dinner um and or like necessary like breakfast is uh but the structure that it provides specifically for me a person who has worked from home for their entire adult life yeah no kidding is is much appreciated um and i will also say up front that uh i don't go very hard on lunch like i don't spend a lot of time preparing my lunch
0: yeah you're not like putting sprouts and sliced avocado sprouts, on a on a sandwich of uh particular i do
1: like sprouts on a sandwich though me
0: too should i buy sprouts you
1: should get sprouts i'll get sprouts um i don't really (laughs) ever go out for lunch i don't work in an office which i feel like is like the main reason why you go out for lunch
0: how cute would it be though if we put our lunch in little brown paper bags in our fridge and then
1: waste it'd be incredibly wasteful (laughs) that's fair um lunch for me is typically a like a sandwich of some sort P- plus a crunchum of some yeah, uh-huh, sort, uh-huh. some sort of crunchum. I like, usually, it's whatever crunchums we have lying around for Henry for his lunch, um, whether it be something in the Ito family, mm-hmm. um, one of Judge Lance Ito's incredible chips. <laughs> Um, or a rice a rice cracker, a flavored rice cracker. I enjoy that uh, as well, and a sparkling beverage. That's usually my. Yeah. That's usually lunch for yeah, me. Of course, very utilitarian hand food. You know, uh-huh. for the hands. Yeah. Um. However, that consistency is what makes the variations like all the more exciting. Like when we have leftovers, I genuinely do look forward to them. Uh, All morning long. In fact, if I am making dinner and start to realize, like, wait a minute, there's more here than Rachel and I are going to be able to eat tonight... I start getting excited for lunch tomorrow. Oh, I know. Depending on what it is.
0: I know. There there should be a word for the experience of you're getting close to lunch, you're not sure what you're gonna eat, and then you remember like I have leftovers. Oh wait, I have leftovers and like the little endorphin rush you get, like
1: Yeah, I get this a lot for um we get food from a place called City Lights of China here in DC. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, pretty um it's your usual takeout Chinese fare. Um, but it, the portions are so outrageously large. Yeah, it's like three meals almost. It's like three meals, but like I will forget every time that I have it in the fridge until it's like 11.50, and I'll be like, what am I going to have for lunch? So I guess I could just have a sandwich. Oh, wait a minute. I got something special calling my name. Um, So lunch, it doesn't just mean eating, though. It also means like rest. Or time off from whatever it is that you'd rather kind of not be doing, whether it is school or work. Lunch just means like you're not learning or working for a little bit. And I like that. You're nourishing not just your body, but you're easing your mind. And that rules. I also like the structure of it. I like how lunch divides the day for me into two pretty clean blocks of pre-lunch which is where I get a majority of my work done. Most yeah, of our recordings same. that we do happen in the morning, um, and so by by the time lunch rolls around, I have finished a bulk of my necessary work for the day, and then that just leaves post lunch for like cleanup of yeah. like the other little odd jobs and tasks that uh, that that remain on my schedule mm-hmm. um, today because I sk- I struggled for so long to come up with a topic. Wonderful got bumped into the post lunch block. Um, which is maybe why I'm dragging ass
0: <laughs> yeah. a little bit. I was going to say there, there's kind of an agreement when you do work in an office and let's say you go out to lunch with a coworker, there's this kind of a- agreement of like, well, now we're useless the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. There have been so many times when I have gone out to lunch with a group of coworkers, come back to my desk and everybody's like, well, ate too much, got nothing left to give. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, I also like if I have no post-lunch errands that I need to do, I can take a post-lunch nap, which is one of the danker naps that a human being can take, I think, because you just get so heavy in your midsection and it just it just compels you to just be supine and unconscious yeah. for a little bit.
0: Yeah, I need to I need to reevaluate my approach to naps.
1: Me too. I'm on a real unhealthy sort of everyday nap schedule again. See, but... I
0: almost never nap anymore because I found it to be so unsatisfying. Oh wow. But I think part of that is because different quadrants of our house are like 10 degrees different in temperature. Yeah. So I keep going into the hot room to nap. I should go downstairs to to the the cold cold room. room And I think I would be much more
1: satisfying. I think you would too. I took a post-lunch nap today. um, And I did a mistake in that I set my alarm for the exact time that my therapy appointment (laughs) started. (laughs) Griffin. Um, And so I rolled up and was pretty like out of out it, of it. Yeah. for the first i would say like 10 minutes because i was also like i had it on do not disturb mode on my phone and i turned that off like as i sat down to therapy oh so everything blew I, up so I had like 14 texts and a bunch of emails i was like oh fuck oh hi hello yeah i'm doing bad um uh, you know what you should have done you should have put your
0: laptop right next to your bed yeah <laughs> and then you just roll over onto your side and you're ready to go for therapy.
1: Yeah. That would be that would cross very intimate some pretty major boundaries, I think. Um, so it's a hard thing to kind of track the origins of a common eating time around all the cultures throughout global history. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, but modern lunch is more or less sort of it was established as industrialization. Yeah, happened, of course. And that meant that workers were working longer shifts further from home. Uh, cause in like a, you know, more sort of rural society where that is not the thing you would just dip back home, grab a quick meal and then get back to work. Um, that was not possible in the, in the land of factories. Um, and so folks started to eat more portable meals and they started to, you know, have employer dictated breaks so that you get your energy back, uh, for the afternoon shift of putting, Fish inside of cans Uh or boxes or whatever it is they do in factories, making cars. It
0: makes me wonder a lot about like the whole agriculture uh, community because they wake up super early. Yeah. Like, you know, 4 a.m. or whatever to like go out and start the farm work. Yeah. And then they're going to bed probably not long after sundown. So where is lunch for them? It's probably like 10 a.m.
1: I would love getting up at 4 Working, crushing a gigantic breakfast at eight. Working, lunching, a huge lunch at noon. <laughs> Napping for like two and a half hours. Uh-huh. Going out, gym, tan, laundry, dinner, bed until the next morning. That's the life for me, man.
0: All right, should we move again?
1: I guess so. <laughs> Uh, the etymology of the word lunch is also hard to track, but the first recorded uh, use of the word comes from 1591, where the word lunch was used to mean a thick slice of something like a lunch of bacon, which sounds amazing, <laughs> honestly. Oh, that's great. I would destroy a bacon lunch right now. Um, I do also enjoy a lunch excursion when it happens going out to lunch
0: yeah we need to get back in that habit we used to try and do that every so often it was a way to get to a restaurant that we were not getting to otherwise
1: yeah it's harder when once we had kids to like go out for dinner and so lunch is my time of day (laughs) um i also do love when i go out to a restaurant and they serve me lunch-sized portions which is almost invariably the better-sized portion for me, Griffin McElroy, what I like to eat at a restaurant. Do, you mean smaller? Smaller. Okay. More petite, <laughs> like myself. I love finishing a plate of food and saying, ah, yes.
0: That was the right amount of food. That was the
1: correct amount of food for me, a petite man. <laughs> uh, I also do enjoy how undefined lunches, Like breakfast foods is a – pretty set category well and it's in in broad. western in western culture in western culture okay fine yeah it is a broad category but it is pretty well defined like i could show you a food and you say whether or not it is a breakfast food or not
0: i've noticed that you feel strongly about this because our our sons will often ask for something like chicken nuggets at 9 a.m and i'm like all right cool <laughs> and i don't really care but you're like that's a lunch food what are you doing um I don't think I say what are
1: you doing. Well, no, you don't. What are you doing?
0: <laughs> but I just think you're always like like, you know, you grab your throat a little bit and your collar I clutch pops. my pearls. Yeah.
1: I pop my collar. No. What are you doing? <laughs> Get out of here.
0: <laughs> um,
1: I I just like that lunch is just fr- it's a freestyle. Literally anything goes for lunch. Anything yeah,
0: can be lunch. No, it's true.
1: I haven't I didn't talk about lunches lazy twin brunch
0: um because we're not brunch people anymore griffin
1: no we're this is
0: a great sadness for both of us i think yeah brunch was for people who got to wake up later um the only
1: thing that beats a post lunch nap is the post brunch nap the post brunch nap that hap- that starts at noon and ends at 4 is that's the that's the life for me i take it back i don't want to be a farmer guy <laughs> I want to be a mimosa guzzling brunch fiend, a brunch I master. would like
0: to think you can do both, but I don't think you can have it all.
1: <laughs> I, want to, I want to live every life possible all at the same time. I want to be rural That's farmer. beautiful, honey. And then I want to be, you know, gossiping over brunch and then sleeping for four hours. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm worth it. I have some <laughs> submissions from our friends at home. Do you yeah. want to know what they're talking about? Yes. Helen says, "As a kid I hated spicy things and refused to add anything extra to my food, but as an adult I have really come to appreciate how the right hot sauce can make boring foods taste different and better. Shout out Arizona Gunslinger green sauce." Sounds good. It's been a while since I've had a green hot sauce in my home. I do like a um, like a tomatillo salsa is actually probably my favorite yeah. kind of salsa now. But like a smooth green sauce. It's I been need a like a
0: sommelier for
1: hot sauce
0: because I know what kinds I like, and I'm yeah. s- literally scared to try anything else.
1: The only stuff I put hot sauce on now is eggs and pizza, and it's Cholula basically. All, rice? Every time.
0: Don't you don't you do it on a rice dish occasionally? Um, I like sriracha on a like, sriracha, yeah, sriracha. on a rice or noodle dish. I like.
1: We've started doing like chili crunch with um some of the dishes that that mm-hmm. that I make and I I like that. I've fallen off sriracha pretty hard. Hmm. I feel like sriracha um like overwhelms the taste of whatever food I put it on in a way mm. that is uh distracting. Hmm. Um uh, Ann says, my small wonder is when foods come in little glass jars that you can keep and reuse. Yes. You enjoy your yogurt or tiramisu and you get a little glass souvenir that's yours forever. Yes. i say I've, that about jellies also. Uh, yes. I've jam. been
0: meaning to talk to you about this actually. Uh-oh. We, we get a jelly that comes in a little jar. We do. And occasionally Griffin will discard the jar and I will fish it out of the receptacle oh. and clean it because I really like, I like a jelly jar as a cup.
1: I like a jelly jar as a cup too. I don't know why I do that.
0: I mean, it's uh, you know, most things, when you finish the contents, you get rid of them. Just uh, in that very specific example, I'm like, no, 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 the jar.
1: I recycle it, though, right? I don't just throw it in the garbage can, I would hope. Oh, no. Do I really?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, here's the thing. There's still a little bit of jelly in it.
1: Oh, I see. Right?
0: Sometimes it's like, oh, gosh, I don't want to put this jelly in the recycling
1: and have it sit there for three well, days. I, I, but I don't rinse it out? Man, I really need to get it the fuck together.
0: I don't I don't want it to be like this.
1: I don't want it to be like this either, but apparently
0: I just wanted to talk about jars.
1: <laughs> I do love jars though. <laughs> Especially jars of clay. My favorite um Christian I rock. Can't. I can't come follow with, you. Please come I with. don't
0: know anything about this. I can't follow you. One of these days, you. I'm
1: going to sit you down. One of these days, I'm going <laughs> to force you to guest on Good Christian Fun, and you'll get a, a very quick education on contemporary Christian music.
0: I know so little.
1: I know it's so exciting. You 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 didn't know. You didn't know what Reliant K was. No, it was like a couple months ago. We were talking about christian bands and i was talking about switchfoot and you were you had heard of switchfoot but you didn't know their music uh-huh which is appalling i never heard of reliant but then, k and then i was like well or reliant k and you were like reliant who and yeah I, the thought that you didn't know that is uh, is dc talk one yes okay yeah i've heard of that one yeah that was that dc talk was great They did jesus freak i think
0: Nah, see again
1: Just. people say if they find out I'm a Jesus freak
0: <laughs> I will say there are a lot of times when I am looking for a station on the radio which is something I still do and I'll hit what sounds like an alternative rock station and then I'll start listening I'll be like wait you wait. caught me you fooled me
1: um yeah Jesus freak was DC's hot man what a bop <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to Bowen and Augustus for these for a theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the great shows that they got there. You're going to find something there that you're going to like and you're going to vibe with. we have a bunch of merch uh, over at macroymerch.com that you can go check out. We have a bunch, a new line of besties stickers that I'm delighted by. It's like all four of us, but done up in the uh, styles of the video games we love. So uh, I look like an Animal Crossing guy. That's adorable. Justin has a little sewer shark uh, guy. It's very, it's very good. Um, we have some shows coming up in New York and Philly that you can get tickets to. They're going to be like second week of October, I believe. You go to McElroy.Family and find links to those uh, where to get tickets now. And I think that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry for the low-key vibe on this one. We're coming in hot, but I'm, I, next week, next week's one is going to be, is maybe we will give ourselves permission to talk about American Ninja Warrior for...
0: Whoa, I don't know, dude. Now. I don't know.
1: I will say that as much as I do enjoy the show and i do think it has evolved in a spectacular <laughs> fashion as soon as the season is done i forget fucking everything i know i was going to
0: say it. it feels a little bit like dumping out my underwear drawer in front of our listeners like here here is my my hidden my hidden things well, what do you got
1: in there what do you got in your underwear drawer
0: it's just a kind of vulnerability to talk in in depth about uh american ninja warrior which is a show that i think almost
1: no one watches what if you dumped out your underwear drawer and you had a secret like like pocket knife collection that you want, something like really out of character for I you. like
0: that Rachel.
1: Okay, I'll be Farm Griffin, you be knife Rachel by next week and okay. we'll meet back up and see how it goes.
0: Sounds good. Okay. Money,